Hello, hello everyone. This is Kenny from the Big Sky State. I want to welcome you and thank you so much for joining me here on Cutting Fences. This is a podcast that advocates for the incredible people in the agricultural population who have suffered injuries, accidents, or have disabilities. Enjoy these amazing individuals, stories, experiences, equipment, life hacks, and more. This is a space molded to cultivate compassion, empathy, and support. So join my guests and I in eliminating barriers and uniting fields while we plant seeds of support to harvest humanity. Thank you so much for listening, and I invite you to be so inspired. Welcome back, Cutting Fences fans. I'm so excited for today's recording uh, with Bobcat football player Brody Greeby. I want to thank you, Brody, so much for getting on here and telling your story and a little bit of your family's story and the perspective that you had from your stepmom's accident. Uh, but I'll let you go ahead and introduce yourself. You can tell us whatever you want about yourself, but also a little bit about your egg background. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Kendra. Um, like you said, I'm Brody Greeby. I'm from Melstone, Montana. I grew up on a ranch and run Black Angus cows and born and raised there. Grew up ranching, riding horses, moving cows, branding, everything you can imagine. So so between agriculture and and sports, your family pretty, pretty well has it figured out from what I've seen anyway. Um, I remember I actually... I watched you play back. It probably was your senior year. It must have been. It was a state tournament in Billings. I was there watching yep. Caleb. Um, and your dad's been coaching for how many years? A long time. 22, <laughs> three, maybe. Uh, wow. <laughs> and still coaching, right? Yeah. Nice. So he was coaching. You were beating him up on the court. And then your little brother, which would have been probably an eighth grader at the time, got to have a little playing time and stepped in there like he'd done it a million times and got some points on the board and all that. But it's exciting to see you progress through the years. Um, And with that progression, if you want to tell us a little bit about what your journey to MSU kind of looked like and if that was a longstanding dream of yours uh, to be a Bobcat football player. Yeah, I guess I'll just start from the beginning. I, like I said, I grew up on a ranch and basically since that time I was born, it was ranching and uh, sports, a lot of basketball, a lot of football, a lot of rodeo, about everything in between. And um, yeah, I grew up a gym rat doing whatever I could to um, run around and play some sports and ended up getting to go to a Bobcat football game or two when I was young and basically fell in love with it from a young age. And it had always been kind of a dream to mine uh, to go out in front of those fans and do what we do and uh, just make an impression on kids growing up just like they did on me. Wow. Well, the Bobcats are lucky to have you. Last year was a big, big year for the Bobcats, um, but it also was a really big and long journey for you and your family. And if you want to tell us a little bit about the day of your stepmom, Ricky's accident, that would be great. Yeah, so this was an interesting week, to say the least. I, um, I don't remember exactly what game it was. I think it was... UT Martin, it was the week before South Dakota State, if I'm remembering right. Anyways, it was a Thursday, either Wednesday or Thursday mid-morning. 
around probably 11 to one o'clock somewhere in there. And I get this phone call and I'm like, weird. I wonder who's calling me at this time. So I check it and it's my dad. And I'm like, well, that's kind of weird. Usually I don't get calls from him at this time. They usually wait till night if he wants to talk or um, anything like that. So I'm like, okay. So I walk, I was actually in class. So I walked out of class. I said like, what's up, what's going on? And uh, basically it was pretty much pure panic. Um, he was obviously upset. Couldn't really get a whole lot of words out besides the fact that all I basically knew at that time from the conversation was that my stepmom, Ricky was hurt, got in an accident, uh, on a four wheeler and had to get life lighted to buildings. So he was, um, on his way to Billings cruising in the car and was kind of had spotty service. So I told him just get going and I'll meet you there. So I, um, after I got off the phone with him, I called my coach and said, there's been a terrible accident and I need to come talk to you. So I went over to the football facility and kind of explain what I knew, which wasn't a lot, but I told him that my stepmom was in some sort of wreck and I wanted to go to Billings. And he said, go right now. Don't, you shouldn't even have came and talked to me. You should have left. So I basically had whatever I was with me, a couple books and clothes I had on my back and headed Billings, probably a little over the speed limit, but I made it there, and um, basically, when I got there, there wasn't a whole lot that was known at the point. She was, um, I she was unconscious, and they were trying to get a plan of attack. I guess all they knew that there was a lot of pressure inside her skull from brain bleeding, mm-hmm. and. Um, they were trying to get a plan to get her into surgery as soon as possible. So that happened. She didn't wake up for two or three days. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it was a tough time. I stayed the night with my dad. He wasn't actually able to even stay in the hospital, I don't think, because the COVID restrictions still, which was pretty crazy. So we stayed at um, my older brother's house and basically just kept checking in. They had a hotline that you could call and ask a nurse what was going on. And I mean, we both didn't sleep, so I'm sure they were sick of us calling every (laughs) 20, 30 minutes, but uh, it was a scary time. He kind of told me that night what actually happened. And um, they were out. We had some of the neighbor's cows in a hay field of ours. And uh, they were going to just this usual day, just kick some cows out. And on the way home, they stopped. And there was a couple of young horses that Ricky wanted to get in because she was wanting to start riding them. 
and they were kicked them through. It was a little ways away from the house, a couple miles. So they had to go through a couple gates, made it through the first one. On the second one, they all go through, but one splits off. And I mean, they're horses, so they're running at a good pace. And what he's running down towards the creek. So my dad goes down to try to keep it off the creek and got it up. Actually, he was on his way up and there's a little hill that it went over. And when he got up there, Ricky was laying face down and the dogs, they had dogs with them. Dogs were licking on her, trying to get her up. And basically it was just kind of pure panic from there, he went down, was shaking her, trying to get her to wake up, and basically nothing. So he was trying to get on his phone to call, but we don't have very good service out there. And so it just kept resetting his phone, resetting his phone, and um, drove up on a hill right nearby, reset, reset, and then somehow, by the grace of God, gets a hold of 911. And, um, says like, we need help. She's not awake. She's breathing, but I don't know what's wrong with her. I was trying, I'm trying to feel her. I can't tell if, um, she has ribs broke, if she has internal bleeding, what's going on. And, um, goes back and just holding on with her for dear life. And they, um, get a call. By that time, my grandma and step-grandpa came over there as close as they could and were trying to stay a hold of the um, dispatchers and stuff. And basically, they said, we can't get a um, help help helicopter out there. It's too windy. So we got some of the um, people in town brought an ambulance out there. And luckily, somehow it was accessible by vehicle. So they drove out there, got her on, got her in the ambulance. And there was a few couple seconds spurts before the ambulance got out there that she was like kind of coming into conscious and like jabbering a little bit. But he said it was all like incoherent, couldn't really tell what she was saying they got her in the ambulance and he was, they wouldn't let him in with her. So he was following her on the, or following them on the gravel road um, to Melstone. And they stopped like twice. And obviously from behind, like in the other vehicle, he had no idea what was going on, was like scared something bad was happening. And the second time he got out, cause it was a little longer and ran up there and was like, what's going on. And she was like, eyes were closed, but was like struggling and said like, I want Jason. I want Jason. And I somehow knew she wasn't, wasn't in the right spot. And they got her strapped in and uh, had to take her all the way to muscle show which is a good 30 minutes away in the ambulance to where they could get the help helicopter uh, landed. They got her in and um, 
told him he couldn't ride with. And if you want to say goodbye, say it now. And he's like, no, I'm not saying right now. I'm going to see her again. So yeah. um, from then, just like the rest of the story, as I said it, and uh, she made it out. So Wow. But I, I can't even imagine how scary all that was <clears throat> to be somewhere where you didn't really have service and not know how they were going to get her and then to be to have her be in the hospital and then not be able to be by her side just adds a whole nother factor I can't even imagine yeah so after surgery then she went to Craig is that correct yes for she came out of surgery a couple day for a couple days she was still unconscious and then finally she woke up and but it was for maybe a minute if that but it at least gave some sort of like sense of hope i mean that you could at least see your eyes open and stuff like that and that there was at least something there Mm -hmm. and so it was a good couple weeks of her going from one minute a day to five minutes to 20 minutes maybe awake and to where she could at least she at least knew us which Mm -hmm. was a big sigh of relief I mean I got to talk to her for maybe 15 seconds just say hi and she knew my voice she didn't um my dad didn't have to tell her anything so Mm-hmm. that was pretty cool and then I don't know exactly how long it was but they decided that the best plan of attack once she was kind of able to stay awake and talk I guess and eat or like I can't remember if she was eating on her own yet or not but they decided Craig would be the best idea so they got her on a private flight down to Craig. And if I remember right, she got there right before um, Christmas time. So during Christmas, we got five days off, I think, of football. So I left as soon as I could, and we all went down there, me, my dad, um, Bryce, and then the two little boys. And we had Christmas with her. And by then she was doing well. And she couldn't, she could kind of walk, but they were pretty much made her wheelchair bound. Mm -hmm. But she could have, she she said, like, she said all kinds of funny stuff. Like, like, are you guys going home? I can drive you guys home if you want. (laughs) Like, uh, it's just funny stuff like that. But she was trying, she was like doing her best to get better. And I think she ended up being at Craig for just under three months and made leaps and bounds. I mean, from when I saw her at Christmas time to when I saw her again, because I came up is the day that she got released. I met him in Billings or I met him at home actually. 
And I mean, it was incredible what those guys did there, how, how much they helped her. And I mean, I got, I called her quite a bit, but it was still, I mean, you can tell exactly from the phone. But yeah. Wow. So. Well, I've had a lot of my guests who have gone to Craig and I think that's probably one of the best places you can go after something like this. I've heard nothing but amazing success stories out of Craig. Um, so I think she was in the perfect hands, but, um, I'm sure all of them were working very hard for her, but I'm sure she put in a lot of effort herself. Um, much like I'm sure you were at that time for the season and, and all of that. I just have a special place in my heart for people who suffer a traumatic brain injury because it's no easy battle to get those leaps and bounds, um, which I'm sure speaks to her character and her caring for you guys and wanting to take you home, probably lighten the mood a little bit, but shows how caring of a person she is. So I, it's, it's amazing because I've read some articles on this story and, and all of that, but how quickly accidents can happen and your lives can be changed and, and how many of us egg kids or just people in agriculture go out four wheelers and, you know, this could happen to any of us. And that's one of the things that you mentioned, but you mentioned that it changed your perspective for life dramatically. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, it's a game changer. It's a wake up call it's it's all of the above I mean you go from one day just everything's normal to the next it's turned upside down so it's just a um like I said a wake-up call you never know when something like this can happen mm -hmm. you never all the things that you take for granted can be switched off like a light switch and um, it makes you think about, like, all the things that you've done, the things that you do that are that you could be in the same boat. And there's been plenty of times I've been on the four-wheeler where I could have easily done that or worse. Mm -hmm. On horses, same thing. But at least you're a little more – you're slower and more controlled most of the time. But, yeah, it makes you uh, – think about a lot of things and like I think about now like anytime she calls me my grandparents like dad like you can't miss out on those opportunities yeah you never know when the last one will be yeah very true well in in lieu of that uh your family is very seems very tight knit and that's probably a lot of the strength that she got was off of you guys and your and your care for each other and your support for each other but uh many families go through similar things as as you guys did and if there was any advice that you could give to somebody who might go through something like this what would that be uh you just gotta hold on tight and uh the it sucks it's a slow process but just gotta have faith that um everything's going to work out. Great. 
Well, I just want to thank you again, Brody, so much for doing this and and I'll be rooting you on this year, but I, I want you to let Ricky know that I'm still, I'm rooting her on and, and I'm thinking about all of you guys as this journey continues on. And I'm just glad to hear that Ricky is doing so well today and kind of starting to maybe work her way towards driving again and all of the things that brought meaning to her life. Um, so thank you so much. Brody for telling her story and thank you Ricky for for letting him tell it I want to extend my greatest gratitude to my amazing sponsors my prime sponsors include Joyce Fuel and Feeds Helena Agri Enterprises and Torgerson's my choice sponsors include Stockman Bank Nutrilix Wilbur Ellis my select sponsors include Montana Cattlemen's Association and Hoven Equipment Company Thank you so much to all my sponsors for making this possible.